The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Saturday, November 23rd, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking war games, Survivor Series, and a whole bunch of news from outside of the world of the WWE. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. O-H-I-O. Here we go. You know what this is about? We're recording Saturday. We are getting set. We've got a takeover night. you got Survivor Series tomorrow. A huge weekend in pro wrestling. But an even bigger weekend for college football. You want an excitement. You want it drama. As we are recording, getting ready to draft this week's episode, the Buckeyes are squaring off with Penn State. Can you feel the energy? Do you feel it there, Sarga? Hawkeye's got a big game going on right now, too. Evidently, uh, we're just pushing Illinois all over the field, which is exactly what I expected to happen for a week. I've been hearing people trying to justify to me that Illinois has a real football team this year, and I was like, I don't care how hard you try. I'm just not buying it. I'll even get into that argument. I don't even know a real football team. I don't even know if that's a real state. Yeah, Illinois might be like Australia. It might not even exist outside of the city of Chicago. Wow, wow. You know, we got some great supporters down in Australia. You're going to take a shot like that. I was going to put it on the level of, uh, you know, the worst of the worst. Over here, if you can see over my shoulder, Canada. I mean, it, it's like it's like the nutsack of Canada. You know, we'll just call it that, all right? That, that actually seems rather fitting. Uh, Huckleberry, before we jump into war games, before we jump into red versus blue versus yellow, We have some news that we have to get to. And number one, I wanted to educate some people because I've been seeing all week NXT won the ratings war. No, no, they didn't. They lost again this week to AEW. They're trying to tell me that just because NXT had 916,000 viewers and AEW had 893,000 viewers that NXT won the ratings. And that's just not the case. When you look at the actual demographics for the show, AEW won the 18 to 49 demographic. AEW won the men 18 to 49 demographic. And men won the 18 to 34 demographic. AEW wins the night. The network doesn't care if you've got a bunch of 55, 60-year-old men watching your show. They care about these key demographics. It's not all about the number of viewers that watch the show. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's who and you go inside of those key demographics. That's where you're talking. That's who you're targeting with your top dollar for advertising. You know, again, you know, here on, you know, we, we just don't 
say whatever we want here. We go inside the business. We're looking at the numbers. Mr. TV over here, Jargo, laying it out there. I mean, this is – but how do you feel, though, even Jericho is even acknowledging, uh, you know, it, it wasn't really a loss. They had to pull out all these big guns. Obviously, NXT throwing everything they could at the wall. They, they, got to, they have to try to find some success here. It was a good week for them. That is a great number for him. But as you said, Jarko, you know, if we really break it down, go inside the box score, uh, AEW again, hitting it where the money's at. The biggest one that really stands out to me is that men, 18 to 49 demographic, AEW pulled a 0.52, NXT a 0.39. So when you look at the overall landscape of the night, AEW was the number eight show on cable, NXT number 14. Those are the numbers that the networks actually care about. They're up against several NBA games. That's why they're down all the way at eight. Um, now, is that is that hourly or is that for your your program for the evening? That's for both shows averaged out. Okay. Uh, well, I would say, you know, just to kind of look at this, though, obviously you've got more NBA influence as opposed to last week. AEW falling three spots. They were in that five slot. Uh, but NXT, you got to give them a little bit of credit. They jumped from 20 to 14. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a good week for both shows. Seeing a difference of only 23,000, regardless of who's on top, who's on the bottom, there were almost 2 million people watching wrestling on Wednesday night. I think that's the important thing. Um, plus, NXT got that rub from Raw and SmackDown. Hell, half of the show was I, Becky Lynch opened the show. Well, and I did want to ask you about this. It's, it's, it's great to be excited in the moment. We're looking at what happened this week, but how is this going to influence NXT going forward? We've talked about in the locker room, the Hameen, on the Hameen Media Group, we've talked about it here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. When we turn the corner, turn that page from Survivor Series weekend, what is left for NXT? Where do they go? Are they going to be able to sustain this excitement, these numbers? And now internally inside of the company, you're somebody you know that's a Vince McMahon, a Bucky, We've always been talking about, do they get their hands in that dough? Are they going to say, okay, it isn't the yellow brand to do it. You only spiked. You won this week in the ratings, if if you want to use that case. But it was because we loaded it with red and blue talent. Well, you say, what does NXT do? What does Raw and SmackDown do? I mean, literally, since we got back from Saudi Arabia, and I'm even going further in that that thing was a work now, because they announced this NXT thing at Crown Jewel, then the talent gets stuck in Saudi Arabia, so they do the first week of the NXT invasion. Without them getting stuck in Saudi Arabia, like the TV, this entire month, this entire, what, three weeks, is completely different. What in the hell did they have planned if it wasn't exactly this? Well, you know, at some point, they were going to have to do these crossovers. They're going to have to trigger these invasions, if you will. But, you know, it's a it's a happy accident, if you will. But it doesn't. But there's other things in there, too, to kind of point toward this direction that it maybe it wasn't all that pressing to get everybody out of there, to get everyone home so quick. I mean, hell, just even before we knew how this thing played out. You know, we were talking about that's a hell of a flight to get people back on Friday. I can't believe they're advertising. It was an 18-hour flight to get your ass to Buffalo for a live SmackDown on Fox. Uh, maybe it just wasn't that pressing of an issue. Let's let's get everybody kind of fired up. And they were also covering up, too. Remember them bad financials that still nobody is talking about because you got all this different excitement going on here. Uh, they were swaying away from some things, and they had this thing fall in their lap. 
Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It fell in their lap. But we, we talk about the red and blue. Shayna Baszler, Adam Cole, the Undisputed Era, that's been the hottest thing going on WWE TV for the last three weeks, whether it's Raw, whether it's SmackDown, or whether it's NXT. What are we going to do Monday night on Raw when everything goes back to quote-unquote normal? What, are we, are we back to Humberto versus AJ Styles every week? Well, that's what they're advertising. It's already being advertised for the oh night after God. Survivor Series. You know, as I threw out there on Twitter, at the real RBV, give me a follow. You know, to me, whoever is, whoever's handling their social media, that's one of the easiest jobs in the world for WWE because you're essentially copy, cut, paste. They're state stolen MSG's gimmick, the copy, paste guy. It, yeah, that, that's already advertising that. If that's going to excite anybody and move anybody, I think they're just... But there's so many developments that can happen this weekend. We're going to dive into all that. I heard on another show. I don't remember which show it was. Otherwise, I'd give him credit. Um, but I think it was a call-in show. So it was probably Keller's show. Uh, and somebody had called in and made the comment that November in the WWE is kind of like Mad Libs. Like they just fill in the blank with whatever talent, you know, but it's the same story. Every segment. How many matches did we see this week on WWE TV that just ended in a massive melee? You know, it, it was just absolutely ridiculous. They're blowing off all these first time ever matches like on NXT this week. They gave away Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch to start off the show completely cold. No advertisement whatsoever. Was it a good match? Yeah, sure. Was it the right finish? Yeah, probably, you know, not let either one of those girls go over the other one. That's probably the best finish. Well, you get that tease there, but you're like you're saying, I mean, that, that should be something we should build towards. I mean, that could be a program years down the line. I mean, these two are going to be stars for your company. Becky's already lighting the world on fire. Ripley has all the makings to be a true standout. I mean, when you talk about alphas, Ripley's right up there with a char char. Yeah. She's right there with Charlotte Flair. We saw she Charlotte in the, in the ring with Rhea Ripley last night on SmackDown for no apparent freaking reason. Yeah. And that was another thing that got me this week. It's, yes, it's exciting, but when you're talking about moving forward, what you're doing in the importance for Survivor Series, I thought they gave away, there was like too much scheduled action between these brands. You yeah. get the excitement of the, the melee, the run-ins and all that, but to have these actual matches, uh, it was just a little too much. Yep. Uh, you know, Ricochet and, uh, now excuse me, who did he take on Wednesday? Um, it was Riddle, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, what the hell are you doing there? Come on. Give me some. That's an exciting match going forward. I mean, that's something that people are going to look forward to. Red Dragon versus, you know, the Revival. You know. That was a little. I, you know what really got me in that match? Just thinking the potential of what the tag division within the WWE structure could be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get into all of the happenings inside of NXT and the red and blue, we do have some news things that I wanted to hit on. Um, number one, Kelly Klein, quote unquote, fired from Ring of Honor. There's been a lot of people that are very, very hot about this. And Rick, I, I just feel like the entire story here is just wrong. Uh, Kelly Klein was not fired from Ring of Honor. Kelly Klein was informed that Ring of Honor will not be renewing her contract at the end of the year. That's a very, very different thing. Um, unfortunately, Ring of Honor has so many issues going on right now that the lead has kind of been buried on this thing. And it's just, oh, here's just another thing that Ring of Honor did wrong. 
you know, and people are just trying to pile on in this one instance outside of everything else going on with Ring of Honor. I'm not sure that they were wrong here. Uh, Kelly is lucky that she wasn't terminated from her contract a couple of weeks ago when confidential information from her leaked on Joey Mercury's Twitter account. Um, I thought it was going to happen then, you know, but as it is, they have just chosen to not renew her contract. She's lucky she's not facing a lawsuit. Can you tell who works for Sinclair? Am I wrong? I'm with you 100% here. But, you know, I, I want to dive a little deeper into this thing and, you know, and once and throw out there, too. Um, as Kelly Klein has been a, a tremendous friend of our show. Absolutely. Great interviews. Uh, anytime that we reach out to her, she is more more than happy to, to come on. And she is she's provided probably some of the, you know, the best moments that we've had on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling podcast. Uh, you know, I, I really remember asking her about that balance of persona and the, the real Kelly and social media use. And she kind of turned my, she kind of turned my take on that, you know, where you have to remain, you know, so hard on that line of character, but you know, why can't you be both things? Yes, she is an ass kicker in a ring, but she does have this other side that we can see of her there. She's been great to our show. But you're absolutely 100% here. We got to call it as it is. I mean, it, an insubordinate move is what transpired there. Yes, freedom of speech, blah, 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 this. You, you have these outlets here on social media, but there are going to be ramifications for for your actions. And when you're dealing with a company like this, you cannot just openly come out and, and blast them. Uh, and not necessarily her, but be involved with what Mr. Mercury was doing as well. I mean, those, those some of those things need to stay behind closed doors. And you take care of them professionally, one-on-one, and address those matters. But I do want to ask you here, you're just talking about, you know, WWE, if it, the Saudi work, if it were be, was this a, an opening for her to get the hell out of there? I, I, that's absolutely crossed my mind as well. Um, we, we do know that her partner has found his way out of ring of honor and into much greener pastures. And I would love to see Kelly kind of follow that same path to see Kelly end up in an AEW. I would love to see Kelly return to Japan. And work with stardom some more. Uh, She already has an in through that company. We don't know what New Japan of America is going to be doing if they are going to feature a women's division. Like, I feel like there is a ton of opportunity for Kelly at this point. We know it's, I'm going to throw something here crazy out for you. You know, everyone's going to talk about, you know, I expect her to go back and do a tour there in Japan. And now, you know, stardom is looking to to block down talent to exclusive deals and all this. I, I'm going to throw out a crazy, a crazy career path for you. And, you know, it's a short drive for her to go down there each week. Still can maintain her nine to five. Uh, go down and work some OVW. Go hook up with Al Snow in that great, in that great women's division. Use those connections there and, and kind of kick it over to WOW for a little bit. I, I think she would be a tremendous addition to that WOW roster. You mentioned her, Tessa. Throwing it down in the wild ring. I mean, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. Give me Kelly Klein versus the beast any day of the week. You betcha. Uh, actually, funny that you bring up WoW. Their uh, midseason finale is actually tonight. And it's going to be Tessa Blanchard taking on the beast. That's a match I will go out of my way to find as soon as takeover is over. Uh, absolutely. You talk. You and I have been asking for. Hell is I still don't know. Year and a half. I know. I know what the question is before you even say it. I still don't know. How the hell is it? He's not the most sought after women's free agent on this market. I don't know. I don't know. 
Look at her. She looks like a million freaking bucks. She cuts a hell of a promo. She is so freaking intense. She looks like an absolute monster. Like, I could take out Kong right now and put in the Beast with Brandy Rhodes and be doing this same exact gimmick and have it be just as believable. Like, she is as dominant as Awesome Kong. You know what I'd really love here? Have Becky out there running her mouth in the, oh, the raw ring. And no, and Brock or uh, and Heyman comes out and says, uh, "My client, the Beast, would like to have a word with you." And then bring her out. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, that talk about a dangerous alliance. If you were going to put a woman inside of a dangerous alliance faction inside of the WWE, you betcha. Like, do were you with me when I met the Beast up at Starcast? Yeah, we were uh, floating the floor. Like we were floating the floor down there. I. I'm not even sure. I think Charlotte Flair might even be looking up to that woman. Yeah, absolutely intense. Hey, did you want to talk about you know the comparisons there? You know when we saw Kong, I mean she was she was her she was herself. Yeah, and we were kind of blown away. Like, God, they, they produce her tremendously. This this can't be her. I was surprised how small Kong was. Like, I'm I'm taller than Awesome Kong. Allison K was sitting right next to her. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but yeah, the beast like towers over me, you know. So I mean, she's got to be what, like six three maybe. You were probably pretty eye level with her. I think she might have had some inches on me. I mean, she had her she had her hair pulled up. I think she had. Man, yeah, she is a specimen. Somebody sign that woman for God's sake. Um, speaking of uh, Ring of Honor. If, if we want to put Ring of Honor on blast, there is one that we can put them on blast for. Did you see this Heike Leo shit? Yes. So took me a minute. Took me a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is going to play into this New Japan thing. New Japan has not been very happy with Ring of Honor for a while. And uh, the second that that thing made its way onto the internet, and now Tamatanga and Tangaloa and Haiku Liu, Haku, like Bullet Club is all fully aware of this thing. You think any of them are coming to work Ring of Honor anytime soon? That relationship's over, man. Whether it's actually over on paper, it's over. Well, yeah, if, if, if it even still exists and they're contractually obligated to send anyone there, you're not going to get the best from them. And that's no. just not telling you're not going to get their best effort. No. They're just going to half-ass, look for that payday. But I guess this does pose the bigger question here. With, with the sour flavor from Ring of Honor, we're talking about them hitting the reset. Let's, we, we talk about solutions here. We're not just going to harp negatively on something. Coming into these last six weeks of this calendar year, what can Ring of Honor do to set themselves in a positive light? I don't know. You know, going I, back here, indications are, I mean, do you, do you throw everything you can at Marty right now? Even if you throw everything that you can at Marty right now, is it going to be enough? You know, I mean, like, let's say, let's say just for the sake of argument. Okay. Let's say that AEW offers Marty Skrull a million dollar a year contract. And let's say that the WWE offers Marty Skrull a million dollar a year contract. Let's say Ring of Honor offers Marty Skrull a $3 million a year contract. Is that enough to get Marty to stay in Ring of Honor right now? Because I'm not sure it is. Well, I mean, even if you stack, if you stack that deck I mean, with the ultimate creative control, you're going to move him in. You're, he's going to get you know top, top value on merch. 
Uh, they're going to re- – I mean, they're fully going to get behind Martin. They're going to do everything they can. You know, to me right now, anything short of that with this crowded dance card, the Ring of Honor continues to fall behind a little bit. Well, there is one thing that Ring of Honor could do, okay? And, and, and it's – it would be a risk. Sign Hulk Hogan. No, no. <laughs> what they do is uh, they make all the moves that they need to make at the top of Ring of Honor – and, and this would obviously have to come from Sinclair. And then they call me and they're like, listen, we want you to come in as that Eric Bischoff, you know, executive producer role for Ring of Honor. Maybe, maybe that would help. Probably not. Or, or you know, they call you and they say, hey, can you get us Rick's number? <laughs> Pro Wrestling Tama Tonga, and you're listening to that old ass podcast. Gorilla Tactics is time for warfare. Your weak ain't to battle, your weak ain't to kill. One guy they will not be calling is Jim Cornette. Uh, Jim Cornette, obviously a very checkered past when it comes to Ring of Honor, and now it seems as though that checkered past is kind of caught up with him in the NWA. Huckleberry, I'm sure you are fired up about this Jim Cornette thing. You know, this is this is another case here. You know, it's almost like Kelly. You hate to see this happen. Me personally, because I am a Jim Cornette fan. Uh, I hate to see this happen, but it's understandable. I mean, it, it makes complete sense here. But I do question. I do question. You know, everyone's kind of, you know, in his uproar over the statements that he made on the broadcast. Would this have even been an issue if it wasn't a day or so before that we had the audio released of him talking about an incident back in, what was it, 70s, the 80s, where he's talking about generating heat and getting under you know the nerves of the fans by using the N-bomb? Um, I think it absolutely compounds it. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that Marl Ronaldo said what Jim Cornette said. Would Marl Ronaldo be unemployed right now? I feel I like so. I don't either. <clears throat> the reputation of Jim Cornette preceding him for literally decades, that's what got him fired here. People are looking for a reason to fire Jim Cornette, and Jim Cornette handed them one on a silver freaking platter. Well, you know, he, he has painted a target on his back already. Uh, you know, just a couple months ago, he was under, you know, there was scrutiny because of homophobic uh, statement that he had made. Towards Sonny Kiss from AEW. Yes. And even in those moments, it, it, it's, they can be exaggerated a little bit and taken out of context. I don't think that he had any malicious you know, intent during these things. Uh, but but when you are so so controversial, as he is... Everything you say is going to be put under that microscope. Hey, let's not forget, you know, William Malasia, last word on pro wrestling, how many media group, all the breaking news. That's you just got to go to Will for this stuff. I mean, he went, he was, he was showing us clips. This was a recycled comment. No one was complaining about this back in 1995 when he used it during a Bob Backlund match. But those times change. Society changes here. Yeah. And Jim Cornette has not. Uh, Jim Cornette has been the same Jim Cornette, and you like Jim Cornette or you dislike Jim Cornette. Rick's on one side of the fence. 
I'm on the other one. But I think we both agree this is because it was Jim Cornette. Well, I think, you know, the, the greatest, you know, the greatest comment I've ever heard to describe Jim Cornette, it came from my good friend, Neil Pearson. Jim Cornette is such a professional wrestling genius that he's a fucking moron at everything else. My question is, why isn't Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana getting more heat? Uh, this was it, this was not live. This was post-produced. There, there was an opportunity to remove this from the broadcast. There's no way that somebody could sit there and listen to Jim Cornette say that and not think this is going to break the internet. Well, especially because you know you've got this drop date of 6.05. Exactly. And, and in a day before, you got this, this footage released. Do you think this thing's going to slide? Do you think it's just going to get through the gate here? People are going to be taking you apart for this thing. And this does kind of fall on the company to allow this to happen here, especially after we've already had strike one. Yeah, th- this wasn't live. This was right. This was done in post. Uh, this, this was actually done weeks ago. Weeks ago, month months so ago. ago. Yeah. I, so I, now going forward, are they planning to go redub everything? I, mean, I what have about no idea. What about the footage where he's included? Because in that studio show, those guys are seen. They are very visible. The action happens around them. I mean, how do you, I mean, you've got this entire season in the can. It's a good point. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. What do you run a disclaimer at the bottom of the screen? Of course, is no longer. We have to continue showing these, you know, these episodes to get through everything. I would sure as hell be going back and watching all those episodes. And if there's anything that's even the least bit controversial, I'm cutting it. I mean, it's like three mouse clicks to fix that. Now, let's let's talk real quick. Let's talk about the bigger scope here with Jim Cornette. Do you? All right. He's resigned from there. Uh, obviously here he's probably going to have, you know, his loyal friends. He's going to be working some minimal shows because he only does within driving distance of Louisville there. Uh, if you're him, do you remove yourself for a little while? I mean, like, do you stop your podcast? Do you think Jim Cornette could stop himself for a little while? Like I, I have a feeling that Jim Cornette is the kind of person that wakes up in the morning and maybe not anytime recently, but sometime over the last 50 years. Jim Cornette has woke up in the morning and thought to himself, I'm going to scale it back. I'm not going to be such an asshole. I'm just going to. I was going to say, does this fuel the other side where he's like, you know what? I'm going to go harder. Fuck everybody. Absolutely. Thank you. you. Bye. Have a good day. Whatever. Well, now he's going to have to in order to stay relevant because he doesn't have a platform other than his podcast. So, yeah, I bet you anything because we've already seen him double down. He's like, no, I'm not going to apologize for it because it was a goddamn joke. Absolutely. I mean, okay. What, what if he said, uh, okay, so the, the statement was, uh, what, a, a bucket of fried chicken run through Ethiopia. Right. Well, what if he said, uh, staple a $5 bill to your back and run through Israel? Yeah. I mean, would, would we be getting the same backlash here? Probably because it's Jim Cornette. They'd, they'd probably view it as anti-Semitic, you know. Because it's Jim Cornette. You know, what, you know what really gets me with 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 Mr. Cornette? I mean, he's out. He's spoken out, man. He is a socialist. And he has, I, I wonder if he just hates Trump instead of just really believes in socialism in the left. Because when you when you really listen to some of his views there, I mean, he's, he's not about handouts. He's not about helping people. He's about himself. I mean, and a lot of his characteristics are so right 
but then he bashes it. You know, I, I, I saw a thread on Facebook uh, earlier this week, and it was just a bunch of my left-leaning friends talking back and forth about the, the entire impeachment hearing dog and pony show that's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. And I kept seeing this theme throughout the thread that they don't care who the candidate is. They're going to vote for him in order to get out of Trump. Like they don't even care. It's Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. Like we don't care who beats Brock Lesnar as long as Brock Lesnar loses the title. And that's where the whole Seth Rollins thing really, really went south. And that's also why Trump's going to win in 2020, because people aren't going to go to the polls strictly to vote against Trump. They will go to the polls to vote for a candidate that they want to win. Otherwise, they're just not going to vote. And that's how Trump's going to get reelected in 2020. But, you know, going back to this last election, now I've, I've told people this. Soon, I'm Trump supporter because uh, I go to the right here. But what it really came down to, I mean, you look at how he got elected and his methods and, and how he act, acted out. Everyone is so sick of the system and they realize of what a terrible human being that Hillary Clinton was. Anybody could have won that day. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am not a Trump supporter, but right now I can tell you I'm voting for Trump because if the only thing that they're going to present to me on the other side is Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg, maybe Bernie Sanders, I'm voting for Trump because the rest of them are worse. Not because I like Trump. He's the better candidate. You're just you're just figuring out it's like the least of these evils. And, you know, it, it, I'll make the statement here, mark it down. It's going to be recorded. It's going to be released. You know, when it comes down to a head-to-head here, if the left wanted to sway me, because I am registered as an independent, they wanted, I could buy in more to Biden than any of them because the rest are so fucking crazy to me. They're so out in left field. It, at least somewhere in there, he seems a little sensible. He's done it. He, he does realize that he has to meet in the middle somewhere. I mean, these two sides, they don't want to play with each other at all. And I love how you just laid it out there. This is the perfect scenario. It's not that people were rooting for Seth Rollins, that they were behind the architect. It was just people rooting for anyone to beat Brock Lesnar. Yep. Yep. It could have been, it could have been Hornswoggle, and it would have been the biggest movement going into WrestleMania. And to make another comparison, Donald Trump and Jim Cornette are very much the same person. It doesn't matter what they say. They will try to spin it, no matter how they can, to make him look like an asshole because of reputation and years and years of evidence that that's how they feel about him. You know what? I I want Trump to start coming up to the podium with a tennis racket. There you go. He is a WWE Hall of Famer. Just saying. Let's talk about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling just a little bit. World Tag League update. Huckleberry, I went through. So the standings that you have on your run are completely wrong. Right now, leading the pack with 10 points, Finn Juice. David Finley and Juice Robinson sporting a 5-1 and one record with 10 points. Huckleberry, I'm completely surprised by this. Hey, these are these early runs in the tournament. You get some early success. We're going to see how this thing plays out. But they're they're getting that rub. They're getting that shine. They're looking good right now. Uh, and this is again, you got to believe this is all about um, you know building up that stock 
creating that interest for you know the big North American expansion. Yeah, because I do not expect them to win this tournament in any way, shape, or form. Tomohiro Ishii has eight points. Uh, he has drug his partner Yoshihashi along for a record of four and one, but this is all Tomohiro Ishii. If you want to enjoy Tomohiro Ishii doing Tomohiro Ishii things, just watch World Tag League because Ishii's just freaking killing it. It's it's amazing how good that guy is. Evil and Sonata with eight points, sporting a perfect four and zero record. No big surprise there. Tenkozi with six points, three and three record. The Ass Clowns, Toru Yano and Colt Cabana. 3 and 2 6 points. Kenta and Yujiro 3 and 2 with 6 points. Jeff Cobb and Mikey Nichols also 6 points but a record of 3 and 3. GOD 6 points, record of 3 and 1. You'll notice that some of these guys are getting nights off and then it'll all average out in the end. Zack Saber Jr and Tai Chi with a record of 2 and 4. That's a little bit of a surprise, only 4 points. The LA Dojo team, Goto and Carl Fredericks, two and three, four points. Suzuki and Lance Archer, four points and a two and three record. Uh, Rick, this one really, really surprises me, especially with Archer being the IWGP United States champion. But I'm kind of starting to wonder if what they're going to set up for Wrestle Kingdom isn't a triple threat between John Moxley, Juice Robinson and Lance Archer. Well, it, it, is that maybe an out too in case that Mox isn't available somewhere along those lines? Yeah, you know, that's absolutely a possibility. And, and I do like this dynamic. You know, they're, they're working way up. And I want hell, I'd like to just see them one on one, take Mox out of this equation. Well, the other option is there is two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, they could do Moxley and Archer one night and Juice versus Archer the next night. But as we're going to talk about with NXT, I don't really like that. Doesn't the champion seem like they're at such a disadvantage if they have to wrestle both nights of Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, and I think it, it takes away from you know, the, the uniqueness of each night. You know, yeah. if you, want to look at it, you, you don't want to sell something short night one. And, and then even outside of that, you have the dynamic of merging the Intercontinental and the Heavyweight Championship. I, so I, I don't want those champions defending both nights. Yeah, I want to split those up. There, there's so many belts. You can divide those between the two nights, and then you highlight that, that around the merging. That's a good point. Uh, Shingo and Terrible, two and four, four points. Tanahashi and Hanare, two and four with only four points. Tanahashi kind of down a little bit, but of course, Rick, he is looking forward to Chris Jericho on January 5th inside of the Tokyo Dome, the champion of AEW. Huckleberry, I'm going to throw it out there right now. Jericho's going to be in Japan. It's going to happen on December 5th. That's when we're going to see more of the build for Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho. I looked at the World Tag League schedule. Sure enough, December 5th, they're heading to Fukuoka. Every time Jericho appears in New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's always in Fukuoka. Worst case scenario, we're going to get a video package. But I got a feeling that we're going to see the pain maker December 5th in Fukuoka. Well, I, I'm going to one-up one you there, you know, why to Fukuoka, but... I'm going to say we get the video package and then we get Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. That's is totally the, Jericho is, style. Is, is the distraction. Uh, then either the Judas effect, uh, a code breaker, something like that. Uh, El Champion is going to be there to, to take care of things. Uh, and this is going to, it's going to excite everything. It's going to set everything on fire. Get ready for uh, Russell Kingdom. 
Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens, only two points, sporting a record of one and four. And then we have the legends, Yuji Nagata and Nakanishi, only two points. But they did, of course, get the L.A. Dojo team and pin the Young Lion. So at least they are on the board. Rick, the way that this tournament is laying out is very much the way that I kind of foresaw it laying out. But I'm very irritated that at least half of this tournament is just available video on demand. They're not broadcasting these shows live on New Japan World. There's not English commentary, even for the shows that they are broadcasting live on New Japan World. Like, what the fuck happened to Western Expansion? Well, this is another, you know, an issue where if you're going to go all in on this thing, go all in. No pun intended there. But yeah, they're letting us down. Absolutely. This is the main build, the Wrestle Kingdom. We're, we're a month away. We're, we're seeing all kinds of undercard stuff. Like pretty soon, Okada and Abushi are going to be joining the tour. We've already seen Naito and Jay White on this tour, you know, just having random tag matches between themselves, just kind of building the heat for the Re- Wrestle Kingdom in the Dome shows. And there's not even English commentary to tell you the fucking story. You know what I'd really like to see here? This kind of just popped into my mind. The, the marketing wheels always turning here. I would love, you know, with especially with the expansion now coming up with New Japan America. Would it be cool oh, those two days if they came over here to some major cities, got some personalities and hosted viewing parties? Hell yeah. And, and get people a little excited about it. And now we, we can't even get commentary, can't even get footage in most cases of Tag League building us up to this thing. I really hope December they focus on that, really target Really target North America as you're getting ready to launch everything here and just hammer it home. It, it, it seems like it's so inexpensive when you look at this big picture for them. Come over here and host like four major watch parties. Well, and especially like the thing that's just infuriating to me are these video on demand shows, right? And it's like you literally have Rocky Romero in house, right? You can't sit Rocky Romero down in like a two foot by four foot room with a microphone and a video monitor and just record fucking commentary for the video on demand. Really? How hard is that? Don't understand. Hey, hey, you know what? Flight in a room. Take me over there. I'll I'll sit. I'll sit in with him. I won't say any of the names, but (laughs) I'll sit in with him. Dude, it was so funny because uh, uh, I, I was listening to a podcast and somebody saw the return of Hiromu Takahashi and they had no idea who Hiromu Takahashi was because they've started watching New Japan like in the meantime. And he was basically calling up and he was like, why do we crucify the WWE for all the stupid puppets on the Firefly Funhouse? But I'm watching me some New Japan and all of a sudden there's all these cats on the damn video and he's walking out carrying a stuffed cat and everybody goes crazy. Just just keep watching. You'll get it. I promise. Let's talk some AEW Dynamite. Uh, Huckleberry head-to-head this show with NXT I still thought Dynamite was a better show although there's a lot of people that enjoy the chaos and everything that's been going on on NXT starting off with this opening match Ray Phoenix defeats Nick Jackson 12 minutes and finally people are starting to realize holy shit Ray Phoenix is really good and you know what Nick Jackson for not having a singles match in almost five years He's pretty fucking good, too. That's, I mean, 
great to get out of the gate this way. And again, you know, highlighting Phoenix, who we talked about last week, you know, he kind of is viewed as the that other brother. guy because, yeah, you know, just because you know, of the persona, the character, the over the top, the look. But Ray Peters can absolutely go. There's a reason that AAA has put him at the top of their you know position there for so long. And he's starting to shine here. So I, I do want to ask you here. You know, you've got the Bucks. Obviously, Nick's got to do something here uh, because hell, hey, I mean, his partner's out. Could you see more with the developing this tank division? Should they separate uh, Penta and Ray a little more? Yes. Um, I there there's two matches I want to see now. I want to see Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega once again for the AAA Mega Championship. Obviously, that match is going to happen. Kenny Omega actually defends that title on Dark next week, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, And the other match I want to see is Christopher Daniels versus Pentagon. And, And the way that Pentagon got pulled out of the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal thanks to Christopher Daniels, you know, in... Clearly, Scorpio and Kaz are the tag team champions, unless, you know, Scorpio Sky happens to become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion in Chicago next week, which we'll talk about here in just a couple of minutes. But that frees up CD to go off and have a singles feud with Pentagon, and I'm all in on that. No pun. Yeah, absolutely. As long as Pentagon ends up breaking his fucking arm at the end of the program, you know? Yeah, I, I think you know. We're talking about those directions. What you've got going on here, potentially this, because everyone was so worried. Are these teams going to dominate this tag division? You know, to have them separate, to have them kind of go do their own things, and then you could always have the potential to bring them back together. That's just going to strengthen, you know, what AEW is presenting. Yep, absolutely. Let's jump over to the women's division quick. We got to see number two, Hikaru Shida, defeat number one, Britt Baker. Match goes about 11 minutes. Not a bad match, not a great match either. Rick, I really like Hikaru Shida, and this should put her at number one in the standings. So I have to assume that we're going to get Hikaru Shida versus Riho for the AEW Women's Championship. I don't know, maybe Bash at the Beach? I think everyone was so down on this, and I'm guilty of this as well. You know, we've talked about it here. I'm regularly on with MSG talking about the thing. Like they needed to do something with this women's division. It feels like it's finally starting to snowball a little bit. It's starting to find its own groove. They're in this move. And still to me, though, even though it, this match was probably one of the better ones that we've seen, you know, the outings from the AEW women's division here. But every one of the most interesting things in pro wrestling still centers around what you've got with Brandy and Kong. But I think with that intrigue holding it on, you wonder where it's going to spin off for the rest of this division. Yeah, but this was much more about the championship pursuit, right? They really made a big yeah. deal out of number two versus number one. Uh, they also made a big deal out of it with Moxley versus Darby Allen, that it was uh, two top five contenders. You know, So if that's the way that they want to use these rankings and these standings, and at least the way that it's been presented thus far, I kind of like it. It's very UFC style. You, know, you, you look at this, you know, right now as we're sitting here recording, you know, going back to the top of the show, we're really excited here. Buckeyes and Penn State, what are they hammering home? It's two top 10 teams. They're vying for this playoff position. Uh, the winner of this game is going to be in the driver's seat for the Big Ten Championship, which ultimately we believe is going to lock down one of those spots. So you play two sports like that. You play to the rankings. You play to the standings. So even in a situation where you don't have a whole lot of build, at least you're invested in something. Yep. 
Absolutely. You know, it's, it's the opposite here. You know, like going to the Survivor Series, we keep asking, what the hell? What, what does it mean? Why do you care? And we still don't know. And here we are just a day before the show. Let's talk about hashtag join the dark order. Because I think people expect me to bury this. Because this is the kind of thing that I bury when Impact does it, when New Japan does it, when Ring of Honor does it, when WWE does it, where you have this completely outside of the narrative video package that's just thrown into the middle of the show. Rick, I absolutely love this. This reminds me of Broken Matt Hardy. And the reason that this works and it doesn't work in all of those other instances was Jim Ross. Jim Ross introduced this as a piece of video that they have received. And ladies and gentlemen, you just, you have to take a look at this. It gives it its own narrative. Suddenly, you know, this is a pre-produced vignette that they have received from the Dark Order. Hell, I'm not even sure Jim Ross had seen it before he introduced it. It's just, folks, you got to take a look at this. And just saying that makes it work. Well, you know, Jim Ross, if people were saying, well, was he out of date? How is he going to handle this? I mean, time and time again, the way he is selling things, his emotion has really put the explanation point on so much that we see in AEW. But you're exactly right here, Jargo. I mean, to have this come in, it feels like raw footage, something that was out of their control that is being just presented to them. It's, you know, it's breaking news. It's outside of what you're expecting. And it takes itself on its own its own narrative, its own course. Yeah, it, it exists outside the narrative because it's supposed to exist outside of the narrative. So you're not mixing it. Suddenly, I know that sitting there talking to a camera that he's talking to the camera because it's pre-produced that way. It's not people standing at an awkward angle to watch television backstage just so that the camera shot can show you who it is and what they're watching both at the same time because you'd never recognize AJ Styles from behind. It's just so stupid the way WWE produces their television. It's nice to see it done right. Unfortunately, then they took all of it back. Because they had the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. Uh, Rick, I was a little confused by the rules of this thing. Evidently, once it got down to the final two, those final two are going to square off in Chicago to figure out who the winner of this thing is. I'm guessing it's just a regular singles match. My problem is the way they did this whole thing with MJF. It was like the commentators just completely forgot that MJF was even in the match. Oh, he scooted out later and, oh, he just pulls him out like that and now he wins? Really? You know how fucking stupid you look? We all saw him climb out of the ring. He didn't do it that long ago. He wasn't gone long enough for me to forget. Oh, shit, MJF. The whole freaking match only went 12 goddamn minutes. Well, this is another case. I feel like we continually see this in Battle Royals. I, mean, I feel like I've, I've, I've seen this kind of so done. The same tactic employed the last four or five times that I've seen it, and they pulled this thing off so quick. It's not like you, like you're saying, Jar. You didn't have time to almost forget about him. Like, oh, you got great action. You got other great moments, great spots. Oh shit, I forgot about him. But yeah, yeah, right here. Uh, and and again, to you're talking about the rules. It's another case of where they're overthinking. They're overbooking yeah. situations. A uh, couple other things inside of this stupid battle royal that I absolutely hated. Um, hangman page, 
Hangman Page eliminates Billy Gunn. You bring Billy Gunn out all by himself to his own music and his own Tron when most people just had to come out to the generic music, including guys like Pentagon. You make a big deal out of the fact that Billy Gunn is in the match. And then you have the guy who's supposed to be one of your lead baby faces throw him out. And you wonder why the crowd is so indifferent to Hangman Page. Like, this was just a severe oversight on AEW's part. This is why people don't like Hangman. It's that disconnect, and you're wondering where he's at. He's kind of just floating. He's in this limbo. And you feel when they're getting, they're getting him in a direction, they start moving him somewhere, you know, it's one step forward, three steps back with him. Yeah, just didn't make any kind of sense. Uh, the other thing that I figured out during this match, Rick... I figured out what it is that I dislike about Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy works when presented inside the right context. The problem is when you have to have Orange Cassidy wrestle. Like when when they did the whole brawl between uh, uh, the Proud and Powerful and the Young Bucks backstage on Dynamite last week, and uh, Santana throws one of the Jacksons into the bathroom, and there stands Orange Cassidy, and people popped. It was funny, right? That was great. And then he like slowly closes the door and eats a double super kick. That was cool. I'm fine with that. That's Orange Cassidy at his absolute best. But when you put him in a match and he's doing the whole like kicking people in the shins, knowing that it doesn't really hurt. And the other guys just standing there looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And the whole hand in the pockets gimmick. It doesn't work. Like once it, I can't suspend my disbelief that far. Well, yes, you know it gets to the point where you, you, possibly he jumps the shark. I mean, he at some point he's got to get in there and do something. Now, can you slowly build to where he starts getting more serious in the ring, where he does bring out his athleticism? Or how long can you ride his pony? Yeah, I, I just it feels like a one trick pony. Like he feels like a fine third for the best friends. But I have no desire to see him as a one or two. It's kind of like the Marco Stunt thing. As long as Marco Stunt's just getting his ass kicked and losing matches, I'm totally fine with Marco Stunt. So next week, we are going to see the two winners of the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. It will be MJF facing off with Hangman Page for a $43,800 8-carat diamond AEW ring. Rick, I like this. I like the way that the whole thing is being presented, that they've told us all this information about this ring. I feel like this should be their mid-card championship. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it, moving forward. It's about how it's going to be presented. And, and you got to imagine, man, if MJF can take this thing, the way he's going to present it, it, it's going to be a true prize. It's going to be a trophy that's going to be highlighted. People are going to envy this thing. And want to come chase for it. Now, if they put a dollar value on this, I mean, it makes, you know, it ups the ante. The odds are so much higher now. Who wants to claim this thing? Who is going to win it? I think he's got to be the obvious choice here. But then I do question if you want to do something with Hangman, who, as we just talked about, has just been in this limbo, kind of floundering around. Now, how could he, how is he going to present it? How is he going to hold this thing if he could win it? Do you make anything out of Hangman Page leaving the elite? on being the elite this past week? Like, is that going to be like an actual story with Hangman Page where he becomes this loner cowboy kind of character? 
I think he absolutely needs he needs that kind of direction. You know, maybe if he loses this match, I mean, does that break him? Do we have a rebuilding of Adam Page? Yeah, I can see, you know, you, you've got the cowboy. You, we see him sitting here at a lonely dive bar. Doesn't know his direction. You know, he's kind of given up on himself. Doesn't know if he's got it. Basically turn him into Logan. You know, like he's Wolverine without like all the Wolverine shit. He's just angry, old, bitter, old man Logan. Well, I mean, he was always a war- he was always along for this ride. And he joined this company here. You can come out and say, you know, I damn, I, I had offers. I mean, look at me. Everything in the world. I could have been the WWE. I could have been heading to a WrestleMania, but I stuck with these guys. I've always been that third wheel of sorts, kind of on the outside. I don't have an executive VP position. He's the odd man we, out. I was positioned. Everyone thought I was going to be the first heavyweight champion. Everything fell apart for me. What have I done here? I mean, having just hit rock bottom, right? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, Jericho versus Scorpio Sky for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship next week in Chicago. Rick, I've been calling for this match for quite a while. I just, I didn't like the way that this was presented. Like, I was fine with it, and then it just got corny. Like, the, the whole reverse psychology talking Jericho and defending the title next week. Like, I was fine with everything with Christopher Daniels being like, you know, if we're going to do this, we got to put together a fight camp. We're going to need at least, you know, like a month to get ready for this. And Jericho's like, next week, we're going to do it next week. And then Kazarian comes over and he's like, yeah, and we certainly can't do it for the AEW championship. And then Jericho's like, oh, yeah, I'll put the championship on the line. And it was like, okay, the Kazarian part was stupid. I was with it through all the Daniel stuff, and then it just it went that one step too far. Wait, is this more of just the ego of Jericho? Where now he he that always was the evolved. story. It was just it, it became too much. And maybe it was a little over top. Again, they're they're overbooking something here. They're overthinking everything. But I thought it was a little nice touch because he is so he's so deep into himself right now. I even loved, you know, the announcement for the celebration next week, too. You know, get ready for the public. We got the celebration in Chicago. Celebration. Well, you know, you got to have that that piece of shit, Illinois. So even Jericho now is that, you know, if he's celebrating, that's another reason that we should be against it in in that terrible state. But chose chose Chicago because, what, they have a hockey team and two baseball teams. I mean, he was rubbing that in there. Way better than Indianapolis. And, and I thought it was a nice touch, too, where you had Hager sitting there, sorry. Yeah, and Jericho can't bring himself it. to say it. Yeah, so you've got this ego. You've got this inflated personality of his it's so over the top that he's even blind to, that he just got ribbed and he just got worked himself. Yeah, that was clearly the story. I just felt like it went one step too far and it became a little bit corny. Um, Rick, I'm very excited to see AEW this week because we had SmackDown Friday in Chicago. We have TakeOver tonight in Chicago. We have Survivor Series Sunday in Chicago. We have Raw Monday in Chicago. And then we have AEW Dynamite Wednesday in Chicago. This is going to be a very, very crossover fan base. And I just, I can't wait to see the difference in these crowds. Is that crowd just by Wednesday, are they going to be completely gassed? And they like, the last thing they want to do is watch more professional wrestling. Well, I got exactly what I was going to come at you here. 
I mean, we've been through these marathons where you're just worn out by the time you get to that, that last hurrah, that last event, or is it going to be, maybe you turn the tables. We got to get through all this BS, shovel through all this shit to get to AEW. And then they're going to say, all right, we're going to show them. We're going to, we're going to really blow this thing up. I'm really hoping that Monday is a very raw after mania like crowd. And, you know, they're just like, oh, it's bizarro world. And then Wednesday, the crowd plays along with everything that AEW feeds them. Like, I, that would just be fascinating to me. It, I think, you know, a real game changer in this thing. And, you know, WWE, they're looking at this. Where, where's NXT at Wednesday? Are they still down at Full Sail? Or are they going to be up in Chicago? I or? believe they're back at Full Sail. Okay, so they're back unless, here. Unless they run a tape show. Like, because that's normally what they do is they show, like, the, the pre-show matches. There's not normally a match on the pre-show. There is one tonight, you know? So normally they just tape stuff at TakeOver and then show it to you on Wednesday with kind of a TakeOver recap. But you have that so, different dynamic. You yeah, that I don't know dynamic. what they're They've never do. been live like this. You know, they've never yeah. had that two-hour time fill. Uh, but I was just real curious, you know, if maybe you could do, like, live on site in Chicago – on Wednesday, CM Punk. Oh, you know they're, they're you know they're talking about Punk this weekend, and I guess the real question is if if when is the right time to make him appear? Well, they were calling for him last night, and he didn't appear on SmackDown. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so Jericho versus Scorpio next week in Chicago. Huckleberry, is there any chance that the best, the best? The best Scorpio Sky becomes your new AEW World Heavyweight Champion. I'm looking for an incredible outing for him, but I think there is zero chance that the champion goes down. Does Jericho get him clean, or is there some kind of Tom Fuckery afoot? Uh, I'm going to say we're going to get some kind of twisted finish here that's going to lead into the, the celebration. I'm with you. I'm with you. Man, I'd love to see Scorpio win that. But then we're also presented with the issue. Then you have AEW World Heavyweight La Champion Chris Jericho going to the Tokyo Dome to take on Hiroshi Tanahashi. Is Chris Jericho really going to beat Tanahashi in the Dome? I just don't believe that. I think they're just two separate worlds. I don't don't think they're really concerned on it here. I think they should be. Just saying. Jericho, Jericho's so masterful in what he does. He's going to be able to spin a loss anywhere and still come out looking strong. That's true. Man, I, it'll be interesting to see how much attention is actually paid to that, you know. Um, Luchasaurus squashes Peter Avalon. That was a lot of fun. Match went about one minute. Uh, for the record, longest match on the show this week, 15 minutes. So, yeah, we're, we're certainly cutting down that match time. Private Party upset number one. The proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz in 15 minutes. Huckleberry, they treated this like this was, you know, Alabama getting upset by unranked Arkansas State Central University Community College. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny because that's pretty much who Alabama's playing right now. As we're talking here, it's Western Carolina, I believe, that they've got this late into the season. 
Uh, and then Bama's up 24 nothing. But it, this is a big deal. I mean, they are they are behind private party. And they want to let you know that this team is a team on the rise. They have not yet realized their own potential, but they are set for greatness. Why Santana and Ortiz? Like, I'm all for giving private party wins. Like, don't get me wrong. I like private party a lot. Why they got to beat Santana and Ortiz? Why don't you keep Santana and Ortiz as strong as you possibly can until they face off with SCU for the AEW Tag Team Championships? Well, this could be, you know, it's one of those things where you are focused. You are focused on the champions. You're overlooking someone. This young, hungry team came and got you. I think what they need to do, though, is give uh, you know, PMP another opportunity to have them come out really focused and just, just dominate and destroy to to redirect them, to reestablish them as, yes, you know, one of the absolute tops in the world. Yeah, that one that one just puzzles me. John Moxley defeats Darby Allen in your main event. Match goes about 13 minutes. And Rick, this was pretty much the match that I wanted to see out of Darby Allen and John Moxley. Think the right guy went over, thought the match was good. Thought Darby looked good. Darby is really catching on with those fans, man. There was a lot of people with their faces half painted in that crowd. What are they going to do with Darby Allen? You know what? I, the vibe I'm really getting with Darby Allen. You're talking about Marco Stunt. You know, as long as he goes out there, gets his ass kicked, loses. I'm always having it fun. It reminds me when Ray Mysterio would get his ass beat by those bigger opponents. Yeah, it, it gives me that same vibe. But you know, Nash chucking Ray you know, Ray into that like a dart into the trailer. Uh, or when he got there against Stein or something along those lines, and you really you feel for the kid. You can buy into him because he's giving you everything he's got, but damn, he just he's outsized, out you know the 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 power, the strength, all of that. It's just not there. But that heart, and he fights and he fights and he fights. We talked about this in the locker room. You know what would be the right call here? Is this the time for him to get that big win? I think they they stuck to their guns, right direction. Right movement to continue to have him going down. What do you do with him though? Like he's getting so over that you got to keep featuring him on the TV show. Otherwise, you're going to lose momentum with him. And I don't think you want to see that happen. But he shouldn't be anywhere near the championship picture right now. What do you do with Darby Allen? And again, you know, if how long are you going to press those limits? You know, how many triple threats can you put in with more undercard people? When, what is the shelf life, really? Because, I mean, already we're looking at eventually Darby Allen's got to win one of these matches. Like, we're already talking about that, right? This, it, Like, I feel like they're telling too much too fast with Darby, and now I don't know where they go with it. I wonder if you can go another direction. You, you want to have him as a focal point on your you – know, and be present on your programming. But does he need to wrestle? Can we start something with him out with the people, rallying the people, talking to the fan? He represents this fan base. They are what he wants. He is them. He is relatable. Can we make that connection instead of having him going in there and just getting his ass kicked every week? Man, if they could do it all over again, what they would give for Hangman Page to be as over as Darby Allen is right now. Let's talk about war games. Uh, war games going down tonight from the Allstate Arena, formerly the Rosemont Horizon. It will always be the Rosemont Horizon to me. Um, Rick, this is a such an odd takeover 
because as I look at it, I think this should be a good show. I think there should be a lot of really good wrestling on this show. But I don't care. I don't care who wins most of these matches. I don't care who wins the War Games match. I don't care who wins the Women's War Games match. I don't care who wins the Triple Threat and goes on to face Adam Cole on Sunday at Survivor Series. I don't care who wins between Swerve and Angel Garza. The only match that like I'm really invested in is Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor. That's the only match that I really care about. And it's simple. It's the reason is because Finn has stayed the course. He is worried about what's happening in NXT. I have to say, you know, I had prepared here. This is the least excited I have been for a takeover. I feel it's going to yeah. deliver. I look at this thing on paper. It's great. But when you're having to sell two shows, you are juggling both of these acts. You have sold takeover short, which leads me you know, further to believe that we're going to see the end of these takeovers in North America. That they're going to kind of you know, intertwine this now with those, what you got going on with the red and the blue. Absolutely. It, and it, it hurts because it, it's been so good. It's been such a great ride. But now to see them here and then everything has been sold around Survivor Series. It's this brand supremacy. Where is the hunger? Where is the fire for anything happening tonight? Yeah. Matt Riddle and Finn Balor. And even that's not nearly as hot as it should be because it should be Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor. That's the match that everybody was looking forward to. And then, of course, Johnny Failure is currently injured. Uh, Start things off with the pre-show match because we're actually going to have one of those. It's going to be Swerve, whatever the hell they're calling him down there. He's still Shane fucking Strickland as far as I'm concerned. And he is going to be taking on Angel Garza, who they're quickly positioning as this almost Velveteen Dream-like character inside of NXT. He's almost like a, a Hispanic Velveteen Dream. And then, you know, he takes off his pants and the women go crazy. They really seem to like Angel Garza. I think the much bigger money is in Swerve. I could see this thing really going either way, man. Who do you like? Yeah, again, though, I mean, where is the investment? But they are behind guards. I mean, they, it seems like they have strapped a rocket to him here. They are moving forward. And I think that's the direction they're going to go with. I like Angel Garza. I like him much more as a Tai Chi heel than I do as a baby face. Garza as a baby face is just weird. Bro. So I guess let's go ahead. Let's jump into war games. Takeover Chicago 3, whatever the hell you want to call it. Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor. I have to assume this is going to be the first match on the show. Rick, I think this is the last match that Matt Riddle should lose going into the Royal Rumble. Coming out of this takeover, now is the time to start heating up Matt Riddle. Maybe you even have him as the sole survivor on the Survivor Series team tomorrow tomorrow night for NXT. And then have him just red hot going into the Rumble. He goes in there, wins the damn thing. We get Matt Riddle and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And nobody remembers that Finn Balor pinned Matt Riddle back at Survivor Series. Finn's got to come out of this match strong, right? Absolutely. And I'm, what I wanted to ask you, though, is I mean, how do you protect both of these individuals? Do you I mean, do kinda, some kind of Tom fuckery here? Like, do you have Finn cheat to win, or do you just put him over strong on Riddle? I don't know if I have interference, uh, but I, I do want to show that there is this bastard side to Finn back. 
I want Finn Balor to get booed tonight. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. So let's do it underhanded. Let's steal a win, but it's not because of anybody else interfering. There is no, you know, OC. There's nothing like that. It's just Finn being a bastard. No demon, right? Absolutely not. This is not call for this in any case. Pete Dunn versus Killian Dane versus Damian Priest. Rick, we kind of saw that this matchup was going to be happening going into TakeOver. They actually have done a pretty good job of building this thing. These three guys don't like one another. They're kind of playing Ring Around the Rosie where everybody's beating the other one. So now we're going to have a triple threat. What I dislike about this match is now the stipulation that the winner will face Adam Cole at Survivor Series tomorrow night. I have a lot of issues with that. Number one being, okay, so you can win a triple threat match. Adam Cole has to go through fucking war games tonight, and they expect that to be on an even keel going into Survivor Series tomorrow. It's just putting Adam Cole at this major disadvantage, and why would Triple H do that? Triple H loves Adam Cole. Well, absolutely. Right now, you know, Adam Cole's positioning himself as, you know, this workhorse, a defending champion. He has looked tremendous over the course of this last month. We talk about standout stars that had been born. Adam Cole is absolutely right up there. If he was only three inches taller. But even in this case, you know, how they presented him, how they've shot things here. I don't think he's looked weak at all in any of that. I don't have any knocks on him. Instead of selling this thing in Survivor Series, is any of these individuals, I mean, is it going to be something that's going to move you to get more excited for Survivor Series, which is just a, an absolute trash throwaway novelty event? Wouldn't, I would feel more, I'd be more invested in intrigued to see this thing go down Wednesday. I kind of disagree. And, well, who do you think is going to win this match? Because, and, and, I guess at Survivor Series, who do you think is going to be booking that match? Like, is is this going to be a Triple H production at Survivor Series, or is this going to be Vince McMahon booking an NXT Championship match? And to, well, even to me, I, even outside of just this match itself, I'd be more intrigued to, uh, to see Undisputed Era going into that Survivor Series match. You know, yeah. having Cole and his boys leading this thing, and then who's yeah. going to be their other partner? Yep, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think we also can both agree Killian Dane is eating the pin in this match. Killian Dane is not winning this match. I cannot make any kind of a case for Killian Dane to win this matchup and go on to Survivor Series to face off with Adam Cole. Can well, you know? the only chance the only chance he's got is if Vince forgot who the hell he was. Yeah, like Killian Dane's eating the pin in this match. So that leaves you with two options. You have a heel Adam Cole. So the logical choice is that you put over Pete Dunn and you have the bruiser weight come out tomorrow and he's small. Him and Adam Cole can put on a five star fucking match. Triple H looks like a genius at the end of the thing. And that's what everybody's talking about going into Monday. I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, I say, or you have someone like Damian Priest where Vince is like, I want that. I want that. Yeah. I want that toy. Yeah. Look at him. Who do you think wins this match tonight? Because I'm leaning Damian Priest. And I think, again, what it comes down to, Jarko, is who's going to make that call. I think if it's Triple H, 
He's going to protect him with Pete Dunne. They're going to go out there, and even within you know 12 minutes, they'll have a tremendous match. Do you think Vince McMahon's going to do that? You think that Vince McMahon is going to give the main roster Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole on a WWE pay-per-view? They go out there and totally burn the fucking house down, and the rest of the pay-per-view looks like minor league shit. I, I don't know if he had, if he has that awareness. I don't know if he's going to be aware that those guys can go out there and do that. This is going to take a selling from the NXT group. It's going to take Sean. It's going to take Triple H. You know, saying, oh, hopefully Vince is so concerned about everything else. Maybe he doesn't really care. Okay. Yeah, yeah bring him on. You know, we'll, we'll throw him in the third slot or whatever. Uh, but I think if he sees Priest, I mean, he's, he's his mouth's going to start watering. It's going to be like a big old freaking, you know, delicious succulent steak put right in front of him. That's what he's going to want to see and see what kind of reaction he gets. You're going to give Vince McMahon a Latino Roman Reigns? I mean, like, look at him. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, big things in the future for Damian Priest. If well, you, you know, another thing, tonight. too. I mean, you, you get Pete Dunne and Cole. Let's think about this audience as well. Yeah. It is that Chicago. Chicago crowd. Yeah. That, that. It's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim take on the team of Sheena Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaylee Ray. It's going to be the first ever historic women's war games match. Huckleberry, I should be way more excited about this than I am. And it's the names involved here. Like, this is clearly all about Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler. I can get behind that. Candice LeRae and Io Shirai, it seems like, have been feuding for months, and I'm over it. Bianca Belair, I've barely seen on NXT television in weeks. Kaylee Ray is the NXT UK Women's Champion, and that's great, but I don't watch NXT UK on any kind of a regular basis. Mia Yim, I'm amazed that she can even walk after going through that ladder spot a couple of weeks ago, and I just don't give a flying fuck about Tegan Knox. Huckleberry, talk me into this thing, because I should be way more excited about this than I am. Well, I think, you know, ultimately... The investment factor going in, it's not exactly there. As you said, this is one of those matches that we should be full on, fully on board with. Full throttle. Let's go. Let's do this thing. I, I feel that the build, the, the personal problems between these two sides as a whole, they have not been developed. But I absolutely believe these ladies are going to go kill this thing. They're going to go out there. They're going to swing for the fences and hit, and hit a grand slam. The talent involved is awesome. Like, it should be a great match. It'll, and I guess, it, and I love the factor that you've got really the numbers game going to Baszler's side because now they have the other two individuals that can get involved in this with the other horsewomen. Genius. I think they got the edge there. That's going to be the dynamic. That's what's going to be interesting to watch. Where do they go from here? I mean, as you said, this is about Rhea. This is about Shayna. It's setting up that next big match. I'm wondering if they're going to make this about Dakota Kai. And what her involvement is going to be here. There's a lot of people that are expecting a Dakota Kai heel turn, which why would you do that? Like, are, are we doing the Bailey thing all over again? Like Dakota Kai, you could print money with that girl. Why would we want to turn Dakota Kai heel? 
Well, I'm with you 100%. I mean, we got a merchandise machine. Yeah, I don't. Ready. I mean, right there, right there for the taking. Why? People are going to buy into her. She is that girl next door. It's the same thing. You know, you could do that with Candace. But they yeah. seem to kind of neglect that every turn, every you know opportunity that they have. Or are they trying to book to that smirkier crowd, though, where they're going to embrace a heel more than a, a traditional baby? What do you do with Shayna Baszler? Because I feel like Shayna Baszler is kind of in that role right now. She's kind of become this tweener character. She's not necessarily this character that you just absolutely hate because of this whole Bailey thing. Like last night on SmackDown, Shayna Baszler came across as a badass, but she came across as a badass kind of babyface because she was positioned against heel Bailey. Um, Shayna's got to win this thing, right? Because as you look at it, do you want Shayna Baszler hurt at all going into a champion versus champion versus champion match tomorrow night? I think what you do is you have Shayna stand strong. You, you this have is her to, moment. right? We're talking about stars that were made. We're putting over Adam Cole and all that. If there's anyone that succeeded that, it's Shayna. And you got to believe that you know that now that you know people like Vince and Bucky have got that firsthand experience with her. She's got to be moving. They they see that star power. She doesn't. She's up there in age. You know the, the shelf life isn't going to be there for her. They got to make this move. I think you make her look ultimately strong this weekend. I'm going to be surprised to see her standing. You know, as that focal point both nights. Interesting. Let's talk about the men's war game match. It's going to be the undisputed era can't have a war games match without the undisputed era this is going to be their third one of course one and one going into war games this year this year they're taking on the team of Tommaso Ciampa Keith Lee who looked like an absolute freaking stud last night on Smackdown Live that was a real standout performance for Keith Lee Dominic Dickhead and the ever looming to be announced Rick on the conference call Triple H teased it. He tripped. He teased it real hard. This is gonna be an epic announcement when we find out who is gonna be the fourth partner. Who do you got? Who's it gonna be standing alongside Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, and Dominic Dickhead as the fourth member of the War Games team? The, the only thing I don't want it to be is Triple H himself. I'm worried that it's gonna be Triple H or Shawn Michaels. That, and that's the two. I think Michaels in itself would be a huge pop, though. It would be would an absolutely team. eat that up if it is Shawn but, Michaels. Okay, day. but do you really think Shawn Michaels is coming back unannounced for a War Games match? Like, if this was like a regular old, like, you know, facing off with Adam Cole and suddenly like this Wednesday on NXT, the guy he was supposed to wrestle got hurt. And so we're, we have to make a last second change. I could see Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole as like the main event of a takeover. You think HBK is coming in for a war games match? Uh-uh. Well, no way. If, if, if you want to go that route, too, I mean, why wouldn't you have him out on television? You're talking about your ratings last week where you've lost every week up until that. Yeah. You, right. know, you know, you advertise that. You present that you want people to buy in. You want them all excited. Hey, that would have put over this takeover for people, you know, that buzz, that, that vibe, that high. The Hunter doing war games, that I could absolutely see. But there ain't no way HBK is doing a war games match. 
And I'm looking at this team in itself, and we're talking about an advantage here. I like Undisputed Era because they are a unit. They're brothers. I'm worried about the egos on the other side. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tommaso Ciampa, who only cares about one thing and one thing only, and it happens to be what Adam Cole is holding. And then you have Keith Lee, who's basically trying to make a name for himself inside of NXT, but he's had a few different setbacks. You got Dominic Dickhead, who, well, is a dickhead and hates Keith Lee. Uh, And then this to be announced, like, it's got to be somebody that pulls the whole team together. The logical choice is Johnny Gargano, but you know, unless unless this whole stunner, stinger thing is a work, like I, I can't believe Johnny Gargano is going to be cleared to wrestle. And if it is Johnny Gargano, I'm going to be pissed because it should have been Johnny Gargano versus Finn Balor, and this should be the Matt Riddle spot. Well, and then you could go with one other individual there. I mean. It- you could go back to someone that's you've talked about how much you want to see this get the conclusion, wrap some things up. What about Marty? Yeah, but the contract's not up until the 30th. Flex that muscle, buy it out. I mean, you could. I mean, that's absolutely a possibility. And, you know, the villain versus Adam Cole. I'm, I'm absolutely down to see that. I mean, they have the means to do this. I understand the dates there. I mean, you could buy that thing out. Absolutely, especially with only a week to go, something like that. Marty Marty is a good choice. Uh, the other choice um, that they've kind of been floating around and kind of teasing a little bit would be Kevin Owens. Now, I don't think that would make a whole lot of sense because Kevin Owens is on Team Raw tomorrow night at Survivor Series. If Kevin Owens is going to turn on Raw that's where you do it. You don't do it here. Um, but is there the potential of this being somebody from the main roster, like a Seth Rollins? I was trying to think, you know, who could fill this spot here? It would really just jumped out to me. Get all this hype that was the, the suspense, Triple H courting Kevin Owens there, seemingly until everything broke down. How about El Generico? <laughs> I, I would pop for Generico. You bet. You bet. I would certainly pop for El Generico. And then, just, and then have El Generico start working NXT and have Sammy just no-selling it. <laughs> but I mean, I'm like trying to think of who else is even out there. And like there's Austin Theory. Like I don't see that being a big deal. Uh, it could be Kushida. But the way that it was presented as this epic thing, I don't think it's Kushida. You know, like who who's out there? That's going to be the question. And then who has those ties? Yeah. You know, then, maybe, like it was going to be Kevin Nash. But as I said that he tore a quad, you know, I don't know who it's going to be. Let's talk about survivor series. Uh, so Huckleberry, it'll be Adam Cole versus either Pete Dunn or Damian priest. Um, it ain't going to be Killian Dane. Ain't no chance in hell, man. Like that's not happening. Um, Rick, where do you position this on the card without this defining down the NXT championship as, you know, the seventh or eighth most important thing at largely a throwaway WWE pay-per-view? Well, you know, what's going to be important here is who wins this thing. And as we were just talking about, if it is Pete Dunne, I think they're going to position this thing like number two. I don't think it's going to get the, the attention from the red and blue that it should. Is this a shot at AEW? 
where they're like, oh, yeah, you're, you're head to head with NXT. Look, NXT is like the seventh most important thing on Survivor Series. And again, I mean, I could see it going before the last one. And I didn't really think a whole lot about this as you bring this up. We're talking it out. It's this card structure. Because uh, I've got so many issues with this damn show inside of itself. I didn't even think about how it's going to lay out. But when you look at the roller coaster ride that you typically get with WWE, you got to believe they're going to open up with one of these five on five triple threats. Five versus five versus five triple threats. To try to get that roller coaster, just have melee happening. Anything can go. And then, then usually you transition into a few down matches before you get another pickup. So I think it's going to be thrown into that spot there. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about the first of the big uh, five on five on five, which is just going to be a freaking mess. Like these matches should probably go like, what, 45, 50 minutes a piece in order to actually be believable. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's it, how it, it, if they actually explain how this thing is going to work. Is it two in the ring? Is it going to be triple threat rules? I don't know. It's going to be just absolute chaos, man. Five on five on five. Like five on five is just a clusterfuck. Five on five on five. It's just going to be a mess. Team Raw, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, the aforementioned Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, and Ricochet. Team SmackDown, Roman Reigns, Mustafa Ali, Braun Strowman, King Fuckface, and Shorty G. And then an NXT conglomeration which i assume will be led by tommaso champa i'm sure keith lee is going to be in it we got to see a stare down between keith lee and braun Strowman to end smackdown this week thought that was an absolute star making moment for keith lee looking like he belonged in a wwe ring staring down braun Strowman. i want to see that match those two guys going to collide at some point inside of this thing Rick, do you have any strong feelings on who should win this match, who should stand tall at the end of this thing? You know, kind of looking at this, and not to be negative on you know, we're just a day and a half away here. Let's try to get a little positive. Let's do some shakeups here. You know, we're asking, what's on the line? What do you get here? And even through this thing, we know the Triple H is calling the shot for NXT. We don't know who's aligning anything for the red and the blue. Maybe we'll get some surprises here. What is on the line? Who's going to be bought out? Who's going to be offered something to leave a brand? And I love what what made me think about this here is Keith Lee. I mean, wouldn't if if you were that whatever being, let's say Stephanie or Shane, calling the shots for the red or blue, wouldn't you be making some dirty dealings? Like, dude, come to one of the major shows. We're gonna we're gonna give you this contract here. Yeah, that could be you know buy somebody out. You know something like that. Um, I don't feel like anybody from SmackDown is winning. Reigns, Ali, Braun, King, Fuckface, Shorty G. I don't think NXT is going to win this thing. I think the winner is going to come from Raw. This could be how they try to re-kickstart Seth Rollins, although I don't think that's what I would do. You could see Kevin Owens turn on Team Raw and return to NXT. I feel like this really comes down to Drew Orton and Ricochet. Rick, are they going to try to put a star performance on ricochet and elevate him Eh, not necessarily which leaves you with randy orton or drew mcintyre both of which i think have to be considered favorites at least at this point for the royal rumble well i I, looking at this thing as you're laying it out i could see 
what we get from this is Seth versus Owens going forward. And do a, a turn of sorts. But Seth is that heel. Let him get back on track in that direction with Kevin. That's leading the red brand. Uh, I see Corbin, King Fuckface, the king of cartoons, screwing his team over. I think NXT, this is where they can steal a big one. Hmm, interesting. All right, let's take a look at uh, the women's match. Charlotte, Natalia, Asuka, and Kyrie Sane, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And Sarah Logan. Didn't even realize Sarah Logan was still with the company until I saw her name pop up on the Team Raw. Thought that was a little bit odd. SmackDown, Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross. And Team NXT, Rhea Ripley, Mia Yim, Tony Storm, Candice LeRae, and Tegan Knox. Rick, I think I put Team NXT over strong. I think I have at least four survivors from Team NXT looking at the way that these women's divisions are. The the NXT women's division is by far the best and deepest women's division. I make that statement right here and take out both Raw and SmackDown, which is why I go back to Raw winning the men's match because I don't see NXT sweeping this thing. You know what I'd really go with here? Going back to that reaction, an incredible reaction that she received at Full sale. Hopefully it got her some attention. I'd go Soul Survivor, Nikki Cross. Hmm, interesting. Uh, and, and you can kind of sell it here. Yes, not everyone from Team NXT is competing the night before, but is that enough? Is there enough of that hangover where the team just isn't there? They don't have it You know, to get them out of this picture here. I could see Tony Storm. As a sole survivor here, Rhea Ripley's in war games, Mia Yim's in war games, Candice LeRae is in war games, Tegan Knox weighs all of about 120 pounds. So I could see her just absolutely getting dominated, like first one eliminated. But I could see Tony Storm winning this thing if they want to try to make Tony Storm a star. I was floored that this was how they debuted Tony Storm. Like, what a fucking waste. This girl screams money. Everything from her in-ring work to her look, her promos. Like, Tony Storm is like the the prototype. If Randy Orton is the prototypical male wrestler, Tony Storm has got to be the women's wrestler. I can't believe that they blew her debut like this. Well, I guess another case of they don't really understand what they have here. And hopefully this isn't going to defy her. This isn't going to hold her back. That She is going to be able to, to really take off here. And I'm with you, too. I can see her absolutely standing tall there. Viking Raiders versus the New Day versus Red Dragon from the Undisputed Era, who's got to go through war games. Um, Rick, this week we got to see Red Dragon versus the Revival on NXT TV, and the match was good. Uh, there's a lot of people that are just ranting and raving about it. I didn't think it was that great. We have talked on this show many times, particularly when it comes to Brock Lesnar, and we're going to talk about it with Mysterio, for God's sake. Styles make fights, right? Red Dragon versus The Revival? They're like mirror images of one another. Like, I, I just, I thought the match was good. I didn't think it was great. Well, I think that's what oversold it. You could see, especially in their standoffs inside of the match, it was they're trying to understand each other, trying to break each other down. But it's, as you just said, Jargo, they're looking at a mirror. Yeah. And they're so comparable. Slow. It was methodical. I'm with you. I, I think, you know, that given some time in a program, and these guys could light the world on fire. But for this one-off, it, it was solid. Nothing, you know, 
over the top, but I don't think that it should have been. What we should see is something here at Survivor Series. They didn't give away too much. As I said you know, earlier in the show, it, what got me there was the potential of what the tag division could be, what these two teams could do together. And I think that's that was the point of that match, not to give away too much. I would love to see Red Dragon win this thing, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm going with Viking Raiders over Strong in this one. I would agree with you. And I'm going to go back here. I think at the end of the day, actually, I'm not even, I'm going to go New Day. I think this really? is going to be typical fence booking. He, he's going to want his team, the merch movers, the good time. I think New Day is going to grab this, but I still think that Revival, when this is all said and done, we're talking about turning that corner. Where do these brands go? I think they show back up in NXT. Who? I'd be down for that. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Roderick Strong, United States versus Intercontinental versus North American Championships. Of course, none of the titles on the line, including Shinsuke Nakamura's sexy new Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Rick, I absolutely love the look of the new Intercontinental Championship, but of all the titles in the WWE, that was the one that didn't need redesigned. Well, they all need redesigned because you got to sell you got to sell replicas. You got to move merch, baby. Oh, I, I, I get that. But I look at the U.S. title and it looks like a toy. Both WWE championships look like a freaking toy. Like the Intercontinental, at least like I could look at that belt and I could imagine the lineage in my mind because that design has been around for so long. I mean, Cody bringing it back a few years ago. And there's a lot of people that seem to think that's what this is all about, that they don't want the Cody Rhodes belt on WWE TV. I don't think that was the case. I think it was just time to introduce a new intercontinental championship i do wish they would have went with a white strap though i wish they would have kept that consistency going instead of the black well they got a two for one deal they had a coupon so when they got to you when they got the wwe championship done you know they they had the two for one deal so they went ahead and got the intercontinental championship but it's just about moving stuff here but again this is why why am i invested why do i care i mean everyone's talking this could be the match of the night you know people are so excited about this I'm sorry, that's not enough. That doesn't satisfy my hunger of professional wrestling. And these throwaway, these damn triple threats, four-ways, whatever you want to do here, I, I, the only match I really care about on this show is the Universal Championship. Yeah. Who do you like in this one? Do, do you see anything coming out of this? Or, or, or have any inclination who they're going to put over in this thing? I, I'm going to go with either Styles or Nakamura. I'm going with Nakamura. I mean, they just gave him a brand new championship. It kind of legitimizes him as a as a badass on SmackDown, even though he's not. Um, I think this is going to be a letdown. Like on paper, this looks like a really good match, but I just don't think it's going to be a really good match. Well, and it, it's about positioning too. Where is the scorecard going to be? Who's going to need an advantage? And I'm expecting this thing to go a little bit early too. I, hell, this could. I still think one of the the five versus five versus five matches are going to open, but this could be an opener to get that excitement going. Well, as as you look at this thing, one brand is going to win the men's match. One brand is going to win the women's match. One brand is going to win the tag match. And then this match is going to be the match that breaks the tie. Not necessarily in that order, but that's going to be the as, as we're looking right. back at this thing in the box score. Yeah, I think this will be the match that determines who wins brand supremacy. Will be this this triple threat uh, because the other 
Oh no, no, because there's the women's match too. There's the the women's right championship. So what is it like head to head here? What do we got? We got one, five, two. So all right, so so it could be two to two. Right. Yeah. NXT just gets buried. I could see that happening too. The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan for the Smurfs Universe Championship of the world. Um, this ugly, ugly blue title. I hate this thing. Rick, the Fiend is going to retain. I, I feel like that's a foregone conclusion. What do you do with Daniel Bryan here? Like, do, do you have this thing even be close? Well, I think, it, and more importantly, we've been talking about this. We've been the ones on this train. Daniel Bryan's a huge investment with Fox. They want the yes man. So you're going to have to protect him in some way here. So I think we're going to get, I think the fiend goes over, but this thing is far from done. This is just the beginning between these two. Yeah. That damn Smurf championship. I fucking hate it. The Brock- Blue Chew championship of the world. Yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. No holds barred. Although I'm not sure what holds are barred to begin with inside of the WWE. Rick, this just seems like it's a real cheap way to do a no DQ match and get Kane Velasquez involved. Well, it gives them an out. So, I mean, they're writing their thing here. But as I was saying, you know, this is a match that I'm invested in. The ultimate underdog. When people say, well, you'll bash, you know, the, the smaller size wrestlers here. Ray Mysterio has earned that respect for three decades now, three plus decades. He is that ultimate underdog. He is someone that you are invested in. You believe you, you want to rally behind Ray. And that's what we're getting here. He's going to he's gonna try to topple the ultimate mountain. He's going to try to take down the beast. Now, this could go one of two ways. I mean, this could be an absolute devastation, a murdering of Ray Mysterio. Or is Ray, you know, what's he got up his sleeve? He is a true veteran. How is he going to approach this thing? I mean, from the get-go, this one, you talk about the dynamic, you know, the mindset. I mean, how do you step through those ropes of your Ray Mysterio? What is your game plan for Brock Lesnar? I think they told the wrong story here. Um, I think what they should have done is they should have left Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. Right? And they should have set this whole thing up so that you were really pulling for Rey Mysterio. Because Rey Mysterio would have to beat Brock Lesnar to bring the WWE Championship to Raw. Raw wouldn't have a championship. Put everything behind Rey Mysterio. And how this is just life or death for the entire brand because they have to have the championship on Monday Night Raw. Everything says Rey Mysterio is going to win this match. And then you have Brock Lesnar beat him and force Raw to then bring Brock Lesnar over. I think the way that they set this whole thing up with Brock Lesnar quitting SmackDown and then just coming over to Raw to hunt Rey Mysterio, it just seems stupid to me. And I have this feeling that this is all going to be about Cain Velasquez on Sunday night when it should be about Rey Mysterio. Could you have done this? And I think, yeah, because that's the, the direction they're heading towards. To kind of add to what you're saying here, Jargon, though, I mean, could they just had Brock just quit the whole company? Like, I'm not going to show up on any shows. Yeah, I would have been fine with that, too. You know, but make it so Ray is trying to go back and really recapture the championship because it doesn't even really feel like this is about the championship. Like, this is a personal issue between Ray and Brock. It's more about the Mysterio family honor than it is about the Universal Championship. Yeah. So why do I care if Ray Mysterio wins it? 
Very good point. Very good point. If he goes out there and he whips Brock Lesnar's ass, who cares if he loses? Mission accomplished. You know, it's not about the championship. That's where they fucked up. It should have made me want Rey Mysterio to become the WWE champion. Well, and, and, and what I really love about how you're laying it out there, the, the direction that they missed here, even if he wins this thing and it is because of Kane, again, it's another tainted championship reign for Rey Mysterio. Yep. Because everyone knows before, you know, if unfortunately everything that happened with Eddie led to Rey Mysterio. So it was kind of piggybacking that. In his second championship, he won and lost in the same night to John Cena. Because that was the yeah. beginning of the of the Cena rise, and that led to uh, the whole Punk versus Cena thing. Right. Poor Rey Mysterio. Uh, let's talk about what I think should be the main event. Even though I assume they're going to go with Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio, but I think the match that everybody is the most invested in is Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. Oh yeah, and Bailey too. She's in the match too. But everybody is is pumped for Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. That's the match that everybody wants to see. Of course, this week on NXT, we got to see Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley for absolutely no apparent fucking reason. They just blew that damn thing away. Uh, so now, this is the match I want to see. I, I, I want this to be the WrestleMania main event. Give me Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch one-on-one for the Raw Women's Championship. That's the match I want to see right now. It, with everything you just said and how you laid it out there, and yes, you're exactly right, Jargo. Where the importance is, where the attention is going to be, are those two top names there. Becky Lynch, Shayna Baszler. Everything in my mind tells me Bailey steals this thing. Yep, absolutely. Anybody other than Bailey winning this match is the wrong booking. And I'm, I'm okay if it's Sasha that gets involved here. Who takes let, the pin? You know, I, I think the one that really survives this that you don't, that's not going to be affected negatively would be Becky. So what you have like Shayna hits her like gourd buster power bomb thing has the thing wrapped up. Bailey comes in behind Shayna tosses her out of the ring real quick pins Becky wins the match runs away like a scared little chicken shit. And we're left, we're left wondering if Becky would have kicked out. You know what I'd absolutely do? I'd have this thing completely be out. Tell the story throughout this match where it is about Becky and Baszler. And then I'd have Bailey pin both of them. And then run the head, get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Just get the fuck out of there. Straight yeah, chicken shit. Steal the win. Pin both. Pin both. I mean, you, you need to really establish Bailey here. And that's why I'm okay with Sasha getting involved. Because it lets both of those two little brats... Get that ultimate heat moving forward. So the women win war games tonight because we have to keep Shayna Baszler strong. That's the only way that we can protect Shayna Baszler going out of this thing to keep it safe for Baszler versus Becky. Is Baszler going to lose the NXT Women's Championship? How soon do we see? Does she win the Royal Rumble? Like, how do we? How does this thing play out? How do we get to Baszler versus Becky? At WrestleMania, does she actually lose the NXT Women's Championship? If so, to who? And then make the move to Monday Night Raw? What do you do with Shayna Baszler? Well, and I think, you know, it's going to be in this booking, as you know, as we were talking just a little bit ago. You said, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Baszler standing tall both nights because you, you really want to establish that star power. I think the wild card in this whole conversation is the future of Ronda Rousey. That's a good point, too. 
Yeah, because right now I, I feel like Ronda's probably winning the Rumble because I think that WWE seems to think that Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania would be a bigger match than Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler, and I think they're wrong. I agree with you, but if that is their direction, then I think what you do here – so let's let's have Bailey steal this big win here tonight. If it's over Becky, if it's over Bailey, more importantly, it needs to be over Baszler. And start this little program back and forth between them. And then when Baszler does drop the NXT title, have Bailey cost her that match. And then it turns into, I'm going hunting for you, Bailey. So your two big women's matches going into WrestleMania would be on the one side, what they seem to want, they think is going to be a big one, is Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. And then the, to oppose that, you have Baszler versus Bailey. And then you kind of start playing into those horsewomen dynamics. If you would have told me, 18 months ago that the two women's matches at WrestleMania were going to be a heel Ronda Rousey versus a babyface Becky Lynch and a heel Bailey versus a babyface Shayna Baszler I probably would have asked you for some of whatever you were spoken so that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. Make sure that you tune in this Monday, hackerhameen.podbean.com. There's not going to be a hitting the next level tonight. So your NXT review as well as Survivor Series will be with Huckleberry and I this Monday inside of the locker room. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Don't look for me tonight because I think the wife and the kids are going out with grandma. I am going to have myself a big fat fucking pizza. I'm going to probably smoke myself a little bit of whatever the hell you were smoking when you told me those women's championship matches for WrestleMania. I'm going to vegetate on my couch and I am going to enjoy the ever-loving hell out of NXT TakeOver War Games. Huckleberry, what's your agenda for the evening? We want to smoke. We want to smoke. Yeah. Hey, tonight, you know, it's a, it's all about NXT. I'm going to start getting geared up. going to go back and rewatch some things. Really try to get invested here. Find a reason. I, I hope they deliver. I hope this isn't one of the last TakeOvers that we see. But just in case, you know, you, you got to get pumped up for this thing. I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna be doing the same thing as you. My Domino's points are coming through. I got a free, three topping large pizza ready to go tonight. Gonna probably throw some wings on there, get a couple two liters, oh, kick yeah. back, watch the relax, see, get ready for tomorrow, and then uh, fire it up Monday in the locker room. But I am gonna be active on social media. I'm gonna be all around, all about Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at The Real RBV. All right, that's it. We'll talk to you Monday. Enjoy War Games, enjoy Survivor Series. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up. You bad guy! Both they go stuck in doubt
bad guy. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 no way! We'll be 